Hello and welcome to Two Nerds Sitting on a Couch, in which two nerds sit on a couch and discuss science fiction and fantasy. So we had a sort of a request. A friend of ours said, hey, you know, what do you think of Automata? Have you seen it? And we hadn't, so we went and watched it. But then it got us thinking about... Um, Robot stuff. Robots, like AI, you know, like, what what does it mean when you have robots in movies as the, the central themes? Um, because when you have zombies, you're talking about consumer culture, generally. When you're talking about vampires, it's like, you know, class warfare. Right. Um, or often vampires can also be... Um, Parasitic ridge. You know, or, or fear of... Uh, infections can sometimes go right. That way. I mean, yeah, like during the AIDS crisis. I mean, that's because blood is tainted or whatever. Like, like that was you know, like all of Anne Rice's stuff was completely, you know, about the AIDS crisis. Yeah. But then, then you have horror like um, you know, Scream, Halloween, and and and, and the yeah. bad guy there represents. Um, it's like it's more of a of a of a personal fear like personal horror well, it's like, like psychosexual familial yeah but i mean it's it, it's like the 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 fear is what's going to happen to me personally bodily not ideologically or no 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 know, right in a, in a grander sense we're not talking about anything but immediacy right um and it just it, it kind of got me thinking about what what does it mean when when you have movies about ai and what that implies. I mean, and we, we talked about 2001, which had Hal, um, which was the, right. the, the, I mean, he was the, the bad guy, the evil AI that eventually kills everybody. But it turns out in 2010, he's not really evil so much as he was given a conflicting set of instructions and he, uh, found a, a unique solution to the to, to the you know, an unempathetic solution for right. his problem, which is to just kill everybody. Um, but I think that that there are other movies like AI, for example, which features uh, humans and robots living together, and there are they they become second class citizens. You know, I mean, it's it's almost like um, about uh, race or um, in in some cases genocide. But right. It's, it's yeah. often it's often about like how we treat robots. The robots in um, the Star Wars universe are really ambiguous as to yeah. what their what and their actual know, status is because they may be sentient, but right. they don't necessarily have autonomy. They're not them. They are no. slaves. No. You know, in their I mean, world. and like there have been there have been a number of like kind of I've I've read a couple of them like papers from be like papers I say that from the internet whatever but just you know like scholarly papers, scholarly papers from, reddit. from reddit but i've read i've read like well-considered stuff that's just like argues that the droids are absolutely a slave class and there's no there's no way to justify it at all and then people ask um lucas about it and his response is no they're not and so you know what i mean yeah. like he doesn't have like I, I get also, it. So we have an elected monarchy. Right. I mean, no, no. He's, he's full of contradictions. No. Well, I mean, some of it is that, like, you know, he made a fucking space western with magic, and it it's really not supposed to 
like stand up to that kind of scrutiny. Right, because when he made Star Wars, he wasn't thinking about the no. rights of C-3PO and no. R2-D2 or their, or their relative values of sentience. I no. Mean, was, they were tools. They were clearly, they were tools. Yep. You know, and, and just because they, that one of them could actually speak English was almost a, a quirk of the fact that it was a di- diploma, di- diplomacy robot. Right. needed to, to be able to translate. Although, so. I mean, the reason that um, R2-D2 is only speaking in beeps is because every single word out of his mouth is like a cuss word. Yeah, he's like Kenny from South Park. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, totally. He's a little sweary-ass robot. <laughs> so, the anyway, so, I mean, the, the, the thing that really got me thinking about, about it was um, when we had watched the, the Korean film Doomsday Book from 2012... Um, which is a little, a little, uh, three little stories that are not related, as far as I can tell. It's like an They're anthology, just about, like the destruction yeah. of, of humanity in, in some way or another. Actually, I mean, when I just looked it up, so it's called Doomsday Book in English, mm-hmm. but um, they said the literal translation of the title is something more like, um, like uh, reports from the end of humanity. Oh, okay. And which is a, a different thing, I think, because I think you could read that humanity two ways. It's either your apocalyptic or it's the end of our like compassion. Like what makes us human, right? Yeah. Which you know they there's the first one is a zombie story, the second one is you know centers on a on a enlightened, and I mean that in the Buddhist, Buddhist sense, robot. an enlightened robot. And the third one um, has to do with the. It's you like know, a goofy Amazon. Well, from it's space it's like don't that, don't that look up somebody. only with a billiard ball. Yeah, I mean it, that one was definitely the goofiest. Solidly, of all of them. But the the one here that we're focusing on is the one that's called the is it the heavenly creature? The heavenly the, creature. The middle one about the the robot who um, has apparently achieved enlightenment. And, and the thing that's really fascinating about it, because while we're watching Automata, it, I'm sort of formulating this theory in my head of like, okay, what does, what is the, what does the AI or the, or the robot represent in these movies? Like when you have Blade Runner, which is the, I think the pinnacle of this sort of movie, it's, um, they are indistinguishable from human. The, right. the only difference is, well, in, for, for all practical purposes, but the only difference is that they have a much, much shorter lifespan and that causes some problems because you know they're four years old and so they're having the emotional development of a four-year-old and right that, that really causes it's basically like a it's a lack of empathy sort of an adult body yeah um but it 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 doesn't i mean they're, they're fully sentient they just also don't have any rights and that's a really common theme in every single one of these like mm-hmm. automata had the little signs on the restaurants that was like no heart no soul nor no service <laughs> like, what is a robot gonna do go in there and have a drink. The thing that it did for me was really gel the idea that all of these things, all of these types of movies are about free will. They are all about um, what what it, like, it's holding up a mirror to ourselves sure. and, and, and sort of saying, well, I mean, how are we not just biological robots ourselves? I mean, that's the central theme of Blade Runner. Like, is he a replicant? Mm-hmm. You don't know. I mean, like, that's, that's, I mean, that's what the whole movie is about and it's done in such a great way Mm-hmm. And and told in 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 all of these like different angles that really get that point across, and I think all all of the other movies after that are sort of picking up the pieces and they may push it forward somewhat or or not. Um, I think with Automata the 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 just what happens in the in the 
story. It's very like steampunky. It's like of, steampunk, like, hard boiled, more detective robot. Yeah, in the tw- um, it's set in nineteen twenty eight almost. Um, but the there's this this record that's playing and it, and it overrides their the robots whatever the robots instructions. So and, they become and suggestible, basically. Like you know, now you now you're gonna kill somebody. Right. And they don't have any choice in the matter, and so um, even though they're sentient, they they lack free will. I mean, it's this goes further because they, yeah, they can I be turned off. They can be their their uh, autonomy can be turned off at any moment. Right, and so I, and and that's really why I wanted to see that that um, the, the Doomsday Book again because that middle one I remember being really struck by how well they extended the the idea of the Blade Runner concept of you know what does it mean to be sentient and have free will mm-hmm. and, and how do you draw those lines I mean because the other the other classic um, is that Star Trek Next Generation episode Measure of a Man where Data's put on trial for mm-hmm. his humanity or you know whatever I mean he's put on trial for his sentience like his autonomy Do, is he property or is he um, yeah. autonomous like, right does he have rights and and I think that that's actually an important question even for us now I mean, we may not have AI that deserves rights I mean it's all property but you know so are our pets pets are treated as property right. in law and and there are I mean I, I don't think that anybody could really argue that there aren't really smart animals out there like right. octopi and ravens but and you know just to sort of like bring it down to like more like humanity spends a lot of time deciding who has rights and who doesn't i mean yeah. i mean i'll just let's just talk about america because that's where i live but like you know like children don't have the same rights as adults mm-hmm. uh inmates don't have the same rights as parolees who don't have the same rights as and those rights mm-hmm. change from Britney where you Spears. are <laughs> You laugh, but that's real. No, you know, I know what I mean? Like it happens, she, like to old folks all the time. There are guardianship issues and predatory guardianship things yeah. that pop up where they just they're they don't have dementia, they don't have anything, but suddenly their entire estate is sort of entailed away from them and, by these yeah. predatory, yeah, um, you know, people who just then throw them in a hole and then pilfer all of their. Right. Money. You know, I mean, all men may be created equal, but they're not treated equally, you know? Right. And so, like, that's, and, you but know, they also I mean, don't necessarily have the, the, the means to defend themselves either. Because if you are a slave class, you know, the, the only thing you can do is rebellion, but you don't have the tools for that. No. I mean, you, you are doomed to fail from the start. And that's, you know, that's what, that's why you are a slave class, because they, they keep you in a cage. Mm-hmm. And don't like they're not giving you automatic weapons, you know. Right, right. Like, no, I know. Yeah, but so I'm but I'm just saying that like I think it's I think it's kind of fascinating because like if you if you look at like kind of what robot stories are saying and doing, like in terms of like who has rights, what are those rights, how mm-hmm. do we determine what is who gets what and why and how can you take it away mm-hmm. and all of those things like Where do you draw those lines? Like I it's I think it's kind of interesting that there are aren't as many like kind of racially lensed robot stories. I just right. really haven't seen it. It's totally in the like it's it's built in as a metaphorical system. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I can't I can't think of necessarily like off the top of my head um fictions that make that explicit. Right. Well, but I think that that they all do I mean they do touch on it. Right. No, no. Especially like in, in the the heavenly creature where um 
I mean, robots are understood to be property, and when they, they the, the the monk calls the the um, technician in to to you know, I mean, basically what he's saying is, do, do, is our robot the Buddha? Because the robot right. certainly seems like the Buddha, and they just want to double check and make sure that the robot's right. not malfunctioning. And the, the tech shows up, and he's like, no, he's not malfunctioning, but obviously, I mean, something's going and on the, here, so I need to make my report. And, and the it's tech, out of my hands. and the tech is really, really um, dismissive, and um, like he shouts at like the ro like the robot speaks to him, and he's like, shut up, the humans are talking. Like he's mm -hmm. really like perfunctory, and like he seems almost angry that he's been asked to even weigh in on this issue he's like right. like i mean i think he even says it explicitly he's like i <laughs> i check whether the shit's busted or not right. i can change the resistors i right. can't tell you if your fucking robot's the buddha that's ridiculous right. well and then the so the the ceo of the company shows up in his wheelchair and his entourage yeah of exterminators where they're they're there to um Take the because it's the whole line of the are you for robots, which I think is really interesting. I don't know if this is a translation um, thing, but are you for what robots? Are you for? Yeah, you know, no. like, I think that that's a really interesting kind of thing that they did, whether it's on purpose or not. I it's get the impression because in, in all of them, there are sections in English, so I get the impression that that. You know these writers are, can speak English and yeah. and can make those jokes. But you you get the sense from from the CEO soliloquy um, that this line of robots is a danger to humans in kind of a Terminator sense and kind of a, a Skynet way because they have become self aware and the company appears to be aware of it and they see this as an ultimate existential threat to humanity mm -hmm. because um, you know, I mean, he, he talks about like enlightenment and he's like, well, I mean, if robots can just show up and be enlightened, then why would like, you're going to cause humans despair because we have to work really hard for that. And you don't because whatever you can, you can just be programmed as enlightened. Yeah. I mean, or whatever. And, so, and we can't. And, and you know, and the robot's response to that is, well, you were born enlightened and, and you, you lost it. Everybody. And, yeah. Which I just think is like, Oh, yeah, because what this is, is, it, I mean, it's really about the Turing test, which, which again, the Turing test is a philosophical thought experiment. It's not an actual, like people, they, they, there is an actual Turing test, like competition, where it's like, put your AI up against our, like, Turing test and see if people, if it can but pass a not... human. And it's oh, like, Jesus I mean, Christ. eventually you, you could probably get something that, that more or less passes for, for human and and the, the the question of the Turing test though is more about what does that mean? Like, mm -hmm. what does it mean that it passes for human? Does it does it have sentience at that point? If it appears to have sentience, like that's what the Turing test is. Like, it's the, right, that's what it's, it says. It's, it's, it's like, well, I mean, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, maybe it's a duck. Well, and also no, but the other thing about the Turing test is, in order to do, to set up a test that tests for something, you have to define that something. And so well, the Turing no, I'll know it when I see it. Okay, but <laughs> okay, this is not the Supreme Court here. We're talking about an actual test. They're, they're trying to make it into an actual test, and it's it's a philosophical thought experiment about right. what it even means to be sentient. Like, right. What are, what are the, what? How do you define it? Like, do you define it by being able to fool people? Because there are a lot of people who can fool people into thinking that they're sentient, and they're not. <laughs> 
true. But yeah, no, but I just, yeah. So, I mean, that's the problem with thought experiments is that I think a lot of people, like, I tried to explain the Schrodinger's cat thing to Mark recently. And, like, we kind of just kept getting hung up on the fact that nobody's going to be putting cats into actual boxes and murdering them, you know? Like, because I was like, it's not, we're just, we're talking about how ridiculous certain ideas are. Yeah, I mean, that was the whole point of that was to show how, how like, ridiculous, stupid the Heisenberg uncertainty principle is. <laughs> and then it turns out Schrodinger was like, I was wrong. That yeah. whole Schrodinger's cat thing, will you guys please shut up about it? And quit calling it that. But it captivated people because it was like, no. I mean, is it alive? Is it dead? I don't know. You don't know. Well, it's, it's a really great... It's I don't, both. It's both, yeah. Well, anyway, it, it allows people to feel like they understand physics, and you know what? <laughs> I just don't understand physics. Yeah, but you know who does? The RU4 robot, who is mm-hmm. enlightened, and... Yeah. I don't know, I mean, I think that, that whole that whole thing was really fascinating to watch the the Turing test play out, because it was never... Um, like, I think initially, in the, in the first few minutes, it's set up to be a kind of a... Turing test where like the monks want to know like if there's something wrong with the robot is 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 it is this the Buddha, you know because mm-hmm. he sure sounds like the Buddha and then like by the end they all just sort of decide he is the Buddha even the technician. Although the funny thing is it's like you know the like there's a, there's like one woman I don't I mean I don't know the structure of the of there's that a couple of kind of like, monastery female monks in there so right i mean but there's one who is active in the story and she um like you know it's kind of the sort of i mean not to mix my metaphors here but it's kind of the the garden of gethsemane last night where you know the you know the company people are coming in the morning and everybody's really expecting them to come and decommission which is yeah, when you commit, they're going to property still. It right. doesn't it belong to the monks. It's like a you have a it's license. It's licensed. Are you for unit? Right. So it's understood that this is going to happen, and she's really upset about it. She's like, I don't want, like, you're the Buddha, and they're coming to decommission to you. What does that even mean? You know, like, we need to get you out. Like, I mean, she doesn't. She doesn't say it that way. It's it's much right. more, um, you know, whatever. It's quieter than that. But he just sort of, he's like, what does that even mean that I'm the Buddha? Like, like you are clinging to things. And well, some... I think it's deeper than that. He's yeah. like, what does it even mean that I am I? Because he, he, he points to the clock on the wall. He's like, what is that? It's like a digital clock. And she's like, that's a digital clock. And so he unscrews his arm and drops it on the ground. And he's like, what is that? Yeah. You know, and you're like, ooh. <laughs> I know. There are so many moments like they like it is an incredibly well written story. I mean, it's very very stagey because people deliver monologue after yeah. monologue, but like kind of every time the robot opens his mouth, you're like, huh. which is, I mean, this is going to be a bitchy thing to say, but like in general, when you have those sort of like guru types in fiction, you just think they're insufferable. Yeah. But this guy was just like, huh. yeah. No, it was it was really like kind of. You know, getting the getting the hairs on your arms to stand up because you're like, mm-hmm. oh, that just totally blew my mind. Like how you think about things. So like, you are the Buddha, and you know, it, but it ends up being sort of irrelevant. Like there's this little subplot where uh, the super super bitchy neighbor of of the technician shows up with her broken dog robot, and she demands that he put a chip in it because she knows he's a tech, and he's just sort of like, okay, and I don't even have. I don't have it. I don't have the right thing. Well, the store isn't open until tomorrow and I need it now. And so he goes, he finds some chip and he puts it in. He's like, it's going to, it's not the right one, but you, here's a card, get the right one tomorrow, whatever. Mm -hmm. He's being super nice. And she's just 
super trashy because she just sort of drags the little robot dog on its side out, out. and then and sort then... of pokes at it and throws it away. And and that to me was the the most AI like moment because there's there's a scene in AI where you sort of have a um, island of misfit toys thing going on with yeah. the, with the circus or whatever it is the Thunderdome thing that they do where they they have all of these humans round up all of these robots and and just murder them yeah you know, yeah because they can I mean because right. robots are not they're not understood to be things that you care about that you can empathize with and the whole movie is spent you know, making you empathize with it. It's about a little boy robot, you know? Yeah. Um, but there, it, that was sort of the thing that sort of made me think about that because you have all these weird little robots in, in AI that sort of display sort of almost animal-like, dog-like, you know, where, where they're like, and you feel mm-hmm. bad for the dog. And it makes you wonder, like, does the dog actually, I mean, obviously dogs have feelings. Yeah. Is that dog? She's <laughs> actually up now. But it's like when they, I mean, you can tell if, you're, if your dog is happy or whatever or wants something and then it acts a certain way to you. But it's like, are we just training them to do that? And it's all about food. Is it really Pavlovian? Do dogs have free will? How would we know? Okay, well, and also, I mean... Does the dog have the Buddha nature? Yes, that's what was, just what I was about to get to, which is I thought that that whole like robot dog thing was like a does a dog have Buddha nature joke. Well, especially because at the end plot twist the guy slices his arm open and it turns out that the tech is a is a really fancy robot himself right and he pulls the chip out and sticks it into the dog and it's like and and it makes you wonder if maybe he had pulled the chip off of the buddha robot and now he's just given this dog the buddha nature nature? yeah no it's possible (laughs) and and like just to i mean if you haven't heard of this thing it's it's this like zen cone or whatever (laughs) buddhist uh parable which is that you know a a a person a buddhist uh novitiate comes to his uh master and he says does it like does a dog have buddha nature and the master's like the response is woo which means um not two like it's not one it's not two um but like ultimately what that means is like you're asking the wrong questions yeah, like that, you don't relevant question that's, the answer yes or no wouldn't make sense right and and so the answer is not even two like you're not even wrong like you're just framing it all completely yeah, incorrectly thinking about it wrong and that and that's i think one of the the real strengths of that that section of the doomsday book was um i mean it's it's the end is the ending twist is sort of a, like a gotcha but that's what happens in short stories you know i mean you, yeah you, yeah you're sort of you're building it to a concept and you just need enough to sketch the concept out, and that's sort of the knife twist at the end of the story, um, which I think is really well executed, and it it just sort of you know cements the the whole idea of um, of sentience and free will, like and autonomy, like mm-hmm. obviously robots don't have that in this in this world or in any world. Like I mean, they very rarely have any any. I mean, they're they're told to do stuff and they do it. You know, like even even Marvin the paranoid android in Hitchhiker's Guide has like human emotions. He spends his time being depressed, you know, brain the size of a planet and they have me opening doors. <laughs> and you know, I mean clearly he's got he's got emotions. He's right. got he's got um, you know, autonomy or he's got free will, but he doesn't have autonomy. Right. And that's really where where they start dividing these lines into whether you are understood to have um, 
your own motivation. Like, what's my what what's my motivation? Right. Do I have free will? And and the only reason that's a that's a question is most people don't really care. You get up, you go to your job, and then you come home and you eat food and you watch TV. Like, how much free will do you really need to do that? You know what well, I mean? Well, right. I like, mean, realistically, what is your free will doing for you on a daily basis? Well, because not a lot. Well, and yeah, I mean, I just feel like I mean because we had this long raging discussion yesterday about it, but like but that was one of the things that I kept coming back to it's like you know like in my phone I have the next three weeks programmed out of when I have to go to work mm-hmm. and like I mean I absolutely have free will to not I guess question mark but I, like what does that get me like I just feel like the whole kind of framing of like a I feel like it's extremely um like Christian <laughs> right, because like it's your choice whether to go to heaven or hell. Right, yeah. That's the only reason we need free will. And I don't. I mean, I don't even need that. That's necessarily like like Abrahamic. I think it might even just be Christian, right? No, I think it's Abrahamic. That's. I mean, the whole the whole story of Genesis is about free will. Yeah, I guess that's I mean, right. It's there from the beginning. From I mean, the that's jump, like very yeah. foundational of of that piece of literature, <laughs> and like. And, and it's totally true because, like, I mean, and that's the kind of the original story, right? I mean, like, so God creates mm-hmm. these little automata mm-hmm. and and gives them free will and then winds them up and, and is like, all right, okay, don't eat the fruit. Don't, do, don't do that one, yeah. Because then you'll be just like me and, like, and I just don't want you, I don't want you to be like me. Right. But I created you in my image, but, you know, that only goes so far. Right, right, right. And right. so what are you going to do? And so all of these AI movies kind of echo that book of Genesis. <laughs> like, it, it's, the, it's that dilemma of, you know, I mean, the, the, the robots in Blade Runner, the replicants, want, they don't want to be human, but they just don't want to die. Yeah. And, like, and, and that's why Blade Runner is just so, just heart-wrenching because, I mean, as but soon they... as they say that, you're like, oh, my God. I'm gonna die. Right, <laughs> but I think, but I think also with Blade Runner, accepting that they're not human, like they are just clearly, obviously clones. That's all they are. Mm-hmm. There is absolutely nothing physically different, which makes them absolutely human. The yeah. only reason that they are treated the way they are is because somebody has defined them out of humanity, mm-hmm. not because they aren't human. Which is kind of the plot of the of the island with um, uh, uh, Ben Kenobi. Um, with Ben Kenobi, Obi Wan Kenobi, who played Obi Wan Kenobi in the prequels. Oh, um, you and McGregor. You and McGregor and Scarlett Johansson are. Um, it's funny, I can remember her name. <laughs> McGregor doesn't have, you know, the assets of anyway. the assets. They are. Um, you find out that they are clones of rich people, and yep. they are basically just an organ harvesting mm-hmm. thing and there's this concept of the lottery you win and then you get to go to whatever some awesome place you get to go live at a farm <clears throat> get, yeah and so they, these people Upstate. Will disappear every once in a while and go live on a farm because they're being harvested and, and 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 this i mean in in world it's all super illegal but i mean like none of the humans who work there quote-unquote humans because these are all humans <laughs> right you know it's just that's that most of them don't have they, they are product they are a company's product yeah don't have yep. you know they try to keep them entertained but that's only because if you don't then the bodies won't develop to their peak properly performance, yeah you know? um but they don't have they don't have free will at all they're told what their schedule is like and they're told what they can eat because it's like they they are under a microscope to, to mm-hmm. ensure constant bodily perfection 
and, and mental perfection as well. It's not right. that they're there for brain transplants, but I mean, they need to be physically and mentally healthy so that at any point you can just sort of swap out all the parts. Gross. For, you know? Yeah, well, and I think that, like, I mean, The Island by Michael Bay is maybe like the, you know, like the more highfalutin version of this is Never Let Me Go by Ishiguro, who it was a book and then a movie um, with. I don't, I don't remember, but, but that, that one, it takes place, it's in the, set in the sixties in Britain mm -hmm. and you have all of these clones. They're completely aware that they're clones from the get go. And they are, you know, they grow up in these sort of, it's, they're, it's, they're loosely policed. They mm -hmm. can go out in the world. They can do, I mean, and sometimes they do run, um, but mostly they don't. And like the main character you know, it's like they start harvesting her at a point and, you know, and then she just sort of ends up kind of going to her death. And it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those like very moody, like kind of, you know, novel of manners, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and nothing like the Michael Bay movie, but, but fundamentally it's the same setup, you right, know, right. it's like you have a group of people who have been defined out of having certain rights. Right. And then and then you sort of watch how they deal with that as a group. And, and it always, what it comes down to is exploitation, you know, and this oh, is where sure. it gets down to like race and, mm -hmm. and um, like in Measure of a Man with, uh, the, this is the, the Star Trek episode where Data is on a like two-parter episode where he's <laughs> on trial for, he's not on trial, but like the, there is a trial whether or not to define his personhood. And um, the the prosecution is there because they want to tear him apart because he's a unique thing, right? Because Nguyen Sung died without really creating another one. No, not exactly, but whatever. Or notwithstanding. Um, so they, they want to tear him apart and, and understand the technology, and you can't do that to a person. <laughs> so, right, right. You know, and, that's, and that's really like the... the, the, the and that ends up becoming the... Um, sort of the crux of all of these things where, where you're, um, you're being exploited because mm -hmm. you've been defined out of personhood. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, I mean, that's true of AI. That's true of, I mean, even the incidental ones, like in the Star Wars universe, like those robots are, they've been defined out of personhood. Whether they're sentient or not is completely irrelevant to their utility as tools. All right. Because you know? kind of my sense is that, like, they're allowed to go feral, but the minute you decide that they're not and just sort of commandeer them, then they're yours. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's it's weird, And they, honestly. Have, they have, like, desires, though. Like, R2-D2 is going to head off across the desert to find he's, his master. Like, he's got plans. And he's... He's, he, he's kind of sweet on Leia. Well, he's kind of sweet on Leia, but he's actually one of the more effective fucking people in any of those movies. <laughs> Dude! Yeah. That, that motherfucker got shit done. Oh, yeah. So I mean, much shit in, like, done. Jedi, where... You know, he's there as an integral part of the the whole jailbreak. I mean, that's yeah. No, I mean, he's like he's like a hundred percent getting shit done all the time. Yeah, and, and like then, you know, does he get any birthday parties or no, like vacations? Sometimes, or I guess paychecks. Yeah, I don't know, but Not he. That, you know, we know how anybody gets any kind of money in the Star Wars universe. Nah, it's not worth it thinking about. Yeah, but whatever. Anyway, but I do think that, that like that that concept of exploitation and free will are wrapped up in each other mm -hmm. because. And here's where, like, I kind of I, I get into my sort of uh, atheist tendencies. I think that that religion is there as a tool of manipulation. It's a way to get people 
to act as groups in certain ways. And, and I think that it's defined early on. I mean, the first story of the Bible is about that illusion of choice. Like, you have free will, but you're also not allowed to do stuff that's bad. <laughs> you you know? have free will, but you're not allowed to exercise it. Right, and, and, and what that comes down to is morality, right? Like, we have morality, an internal moral compass that mm -hmm. tells us when things are, are, um, are, are good or bad. And mm -hmm. the, the problem with uh, not eating fruit from a tree is that it's not, that's not relevant to our moral compass. It's not good or bad. We've just been told not to do it. And so mm -hmm. what do we do? Of course we're going to do it because right. we don't understand why it's bad. Right. You know, it we're never really it's never explained in the Bible why that's bad. Well, I mean, also, I mean, to get right down to it, they don't know what good and bad is yet. <laughs> right. Because, like, I mean, I, mean, the, I don't the, mean to be glib, but yeah, like, right. if you don't even know what bad means, how right. do you know? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, well, it's and that's funny. Okay. So that's exactly where we get our moral compass from is, is eating <laughs> the tree that he told us not to. Right. But up until that point, you could totally kill each other and it wouldn't be wrong because yeah. what's stopping you from doing that? Nothing, right? They already had a moral compass. I mean, this is the problem. I, I have, whatever. That's a completely different discussion. But I do think, <laughs> I do think that, that free will and um, exploitation are, are often the two sides of the same coin because mm -hmm. in everyone, like the replicants, are hella exploited. You know, like the you get the sense in Automata that even though Carl is his sort of partner, like he doesn't he's he doesn't have vacations or a paycheck either. You know, right? They you you get the sense that they're sort of unequal partners. Yeah, I mean, he's just there because you know whatever. I mean, yeah, I, it like, wasn't really fully sketched out because again with short stories. But I but I think that like you know in the uh, the heavenly creature part of the Doomsday Book. Mm -hmm. um, the <laughs> that's where it kind of gets like how are they exploiting them? Well, I mean, as a class, the robots are exploited, and now you have this whole the Ru fours that are if they if they express free will and empathy and feelings and mm -hmm. motivation, then then you can't exploit them. And it's not so much that they're a danger to humanity, and and they are because I mean, like existentially, it's like well, what makes us human? What makes us I special? I was going to say... Like it, that's the danger for, for the CEO, but it's like, realistically, it's like, now we can't exploit you because I will feel that. Right. Well, I mean, and like, it's it's a danger to humanity, not in the sense that they're going to go like full Skynet, but they're a danger to using the word humanity to mean sentient, to using right. those as, as um, synonyms. The whole thing about all of this that, that is really interesting is, is like kind of thinking about a non-human sentience because i mean it gets back to does a dog have the buddha nature well what is buddha nature let's let's just switch out sentience do dogs have sentience right like how do you even define that is it intelligence because some dogs are pretty smart yeah you know is it is it um being able to 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 have autonomy to live on their own like could our dog survive in the wild without us turns out she escapes all the time <laughs> and, and she can survive really well by going and finding people who leave their ice cream on their back decks in the winter and just eating it all. Based on and then a they'll true eat her story. Hot dogs. I mean, like yeah, she they're... can survive in the wild. So like, I would say that yes, our dog has the Buddha nature. Yeah. I don't know. Well, anyway, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, oh, I guess I, there were a couple other things I wanted to hit. Oh, because one, one thing is that like, we're talking about robots mm -hmm. and androids and replicants. And I mean, there's all these terms, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I, but I think that there is sort of like a taxonomy or a hierarchy and these things mean slightly different things because you have straight up robots who look, don't look human, you know, like the chappy style, chappy style or, or the, the robot here, the RU4 one Mm -hmm. that was, that was a robot. Right. Like it didn't. I or mean, number it number five member. Yes. Uh, short circuit. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but it had, but one. it had like a face thing, but it didn't have expression and right. whatever. And then you, then you have like cyborgs, which is a human, which has been modified, and and that could be. I mean, there's more or less, you know, like how much do you, it becomes the Theseus ship of humanity. Right. You know, you pull off your arm and it's like, what's that? Well, because I was actually wondering that in that last scene when he opens up his arm, I was like, is he a robot or is he, is that just is a like robot a arm? A handroid. Because, or a because. Cyborg. Cyborg. Because. Well, and like RoboCop, the cyborg comes down to the brain, right? I mean, that's right. the seat of our mm-hmm. free will, our intelligence. Like that's, that's what makes, or, um. What was the, it was an ancillary justice? No, it was autonomous. The one where, the, with the robot sex? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that one, it was like, there's a little fragment of brain in there, and that's, like, technically cyborg. No. No, okay, okay, <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, it depends on how you want to define all this well, stuff. Well, but, I mean, the book was kind of about that, it was like, kind of, like, exploring what, does that even mean? What I mean, is like autonomous? That piece of brain what is, is kind of there for facial recognition? That's the only reason like, it was it's there. It's a GPS chip. And then it's destroyed, and it's fine. Yeah, it's still okay. We can still have robot sex. I gotta say I'm that 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 robot. That, that ro- oh, so this we're talking about autonomous by Annalie Newitz, and there is, and it's, uh, I think it's their first novel, mm-hmm. I think, but it's very Gibsonian. Yeah, um, it kind of takes place twenty minutes into the future. Um, but there's this, it's a murder bot. It's a murder bot in his American, American. He's got like a handler, the 18 year old soldier. Right. But it's not even a handler so much as like, they're just partners. He's like a buddy cop. Yeah. Total buddy cop murder bot and his murder friend. And they go out there and like the, the, um, the human partner completely falls in love with the robot. I mean, but like, can't see that that's what's happening and sort of has to put all of this weird like yeah. panic onto it like, yes but is the part of your brain a, a girl or, or a, a boy? boy right because it matters to me there's and this wonder like, you are fucking a robot i know that's the thing that's so funny about that is that he completely like he totally fucks that robot and i gotta but say it's a girl robot right he fucks that robot good and it i mean it is such a like you know, if somebody were to like quick write your like twenty favorite scenes in in fucking science fiction, that would be one of them. I yeah. just haven't read anything like that before, and it's like well, because you get the robot's point of view, and the robot's like, I mean, I I think I think the brain is is girl, and I think that that's what he wants. No, he, like the and, ro- and the robot like is just like whatever. I don't even. The robot is like trying to understand the situation too. Right. No, it's it's wonderful. But anyway, yeah. So he like totally fucks this robot, and he's more worried that the robot might be coded male than he is that he just fucked a robot. Yeah. Oh my god, I love it so yeah. much. That's that's pretty. That's I mean, pretty it's funny. it's such a wonderfully like absurd situation that it really shows you how ridiculous some of the like. Well, yeah, because I mean, when you're talking about sentience, you have you have these distinctions that we make, like cyborg versus. Well, Chappie is actually a really great example of this because Chappie starts out as um, some sort of malfunctioning police robot unit, and speaking of murder bots, and 
gains sentience because his creator is like working on a thing and it's almost accidental. Right. Um, but then by the end, Chappie figures out how to um, capture his own intelligence using like this this little kind of neural net to, mm -hmm. to sort of make a recording of of him, of him. Like, what is it that makes me Chappie? Mm -hmm. Because he's trying to get out of this body, which has the battery fused to it, so he's got a a, a, a time limit like Blade Runner. I mm -hmm. mean, he's gonna he's gonna be dead in four days because you can't just transplant the battery at this point without killing him. Right. And so by the end, then his his creator gets uh, gets killed, but then has his consciousness uploaded into another one of these robot police units. Mm -hmm. And and so he starts out human, and now he is mapped into a, a robot brain. Mm -hmm. And it's like, which one of them is right. sentient? Which one of them has free will here? Like, what does that mean? You know, yeah. like, because they, 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 they came from different places, and mm -hmm. you know, like Chappie is, is basically like a kid because he's being taught words. He's being taught <laughs> by you know, by Yolanda and Ninja. Yolanda and Ninja from Dion Ford. <laughs> Dion. I love that movie. Just like uh, in, <laughs> a lot of it is because of the, them. I mean, they're just oh Ninja. They're just so much themselves. Oh, you know, God. Like, they don't even change their names for the movie. They're no. just them. And yeah. this is like their world. Like Chappie is a real thing. They're like why they wouldn't from. it be? Yeah. It's like he's he's it's gangsta. So fucking wild. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty funny. But anyway, um, I, I think that, that that sort of, like, having that happen at the end really underscores the, the fact that they're, they're in, in that movie anyway, they're saying there is no distinction between right. whether you have a synthetic right. intelligence or a organic one or previously organic one. Right. Um, because as far as the Turing test can tell, that guy is the same guy. Right. It's just all, yep. all metal and, it's, and silicone now, which right. is like well, and silicone. then because then you, so, <laughs> um, because then you also then you know so you have you have robots, you have cyborgs, you have androids, which are very very human looking, mm -hmm. um, robots. But they are still robots, right? Um, which may have more replicants fall into that category. Even no, biological. No, no. I, that you are taking their in world definition. And that's no. You have what I'm to saying not... is that they are manufactured. All of their cells have serial numbers on them. Oh, gross! I mean, yeah, this is part of the world. Is that they are like you could pop out an eyeball and put in another one, because that's what they. I mean, they're they're just biological. Okay. Robots. Well, anyway, so whatever that is, androids, and then um, and then you have like full blown AI, which is non corporeal. And like, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, and so like that's what the, the ancillary justice, right? that's, and that's what I think is so interesting about ancillary justice, which is a, the first in a series by, um, Oh, I can't believe I just completely <laughs> lost her name and that the ancillary <laughs> justice won either the Hugo or the Nebula or both. Um, it was very good. Um, but that, but that dealt with its, it had been a sentient ship. Mm-hmm. And lucky. And lucky. Um, it had been a sentient ship who, which had ancillaries, which were just bodies. They were like dummy terminals, basically. Yeah. What the, both the, Hugo and the Nebula. Yeah. So the, the ship itself is the AI. And then the ancillary... Or is it? I mean, it also... Right. But that's what I'm saying is it like, it definitely plays with those things in the, mm -hmm. in the, in the, the whole trilogy is that the ship gets blown up. All of the ancillaries get blown up. Except for Breck. Except for one called Breck. 
And so Breck is running around in a body like a person. May or may not be a girl or a boy. We don't know. It's what, not clear. At that's first. that's the other. That's the other. <laughs> like, I, and it's astonishing to me that it took this long for somebody to do this. But like, Breck basically has like face blindness, like because gender, but also face blindness. Like Breck. <laughs> Really just can't tell us apart. Like, uh-huh. we're all just fucking meatbags. Yeah. And, like, why would it matter? Right. So, uh, Breck refers to everybody as she. Yeah, which gets confusing. Everyone. When... Yeah. It does get confusing you know, at points because th- there are times... you have to keep reminding yourself that the she is sometimes a he because we actually really... We really need those gender cues to, to sort of slot people into where we think they need to belong. Like, that's our pigeonholing, and that's kind of what that, that does, is it forces you to um, step back from the pigeonholing. One of the neat things about that book is that it forces you to look at how and why it's unsettling, because this this is the very heart of, like, gender issues. Like, the trans experience is this, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, like, people freak out because it's like mm-hmm. you're going into the wrong bathroom, and it's like, well, you know, motherfucker, do you have a boot in nature? <laughs> Yeah? No, it's totally true. I mean, which is why Autonomous actually deals with that pretty head on. I mean, because there's mm-hmm. the there's the murder bot <laughs> fucking, but then there are other relationships <laughs> in that in that have to do with gender and in in the rest of it. Right. I can't remember them as clearly because I feel I have clearly been so dazzled by the robot fucking yeah. that I can't <laughs> think of anything else. Yeah, that was. I mean, it that is was a good book though. For me, well, yeah. plus there was there was some sort of like um, like pedophilia ring and like i kind of got the sense that the robot even felt some outrage about that and i was like oh yeah that would make sense i mean you well because we're, go, we're gonna go murder these guys even though it's not a part of our war itinerary because right. it's the right thing to do right well i mean the, the name of the book is autonomous and so autonomy ends up being the operative metaphor in most of the relationships in the book yeah. and so it, you know it it tells you how to read it right right the best books do yeah but I mean, I think the whole the, like tying that back into like um, the the idea of uh, a Turing test or sentience, like what does it mean to be human? Mm-hmm. Like, and when we say human, what we mean is sentient. But it turns out that that's like kind of like a a gendered thing for species, you know? I mean, <laughs> like, because why couldn't you have an AI that's sentient? And what does that even look like? And how how do we react to it? Because we have an enormous amount of bigotry about our meatbagness. Mm-hmm. And when AI does come around, like we've already we've already got the stories about Skynet. We're gonna kill the crap out of it. You know, I mean like mm-hmm. we're gonna treat it with like severe arm's length, like you know, we're gonna we're gonna put a boot on its neck and a gun to its head and be like, mm-hmm. well, you know, what what do you think about autonomy? Right. You, you know? are not allowed to eat from the tree. Yeah. But realistically, I mean, like, that's what sentience is, is like, it, you know, we're, we're so worried about coming up with a Hell 9000, who, let's be honest, wasn't the bad guy. He I actually, doing, I mean, he, <laughs> he had a male voice. He had a male he voice. He was just doing what he was told to do. He actually came up with a pretty elegant solution for the problem. <laughs> and it's like, it's the problem with it is that, is that, like, he didn't assign the morality of killing people as high as he assigned the morality of completing his mission. And so it wasn't so much that he was the bad guy. It's just that you have to look at it from a, from a completely different 
point of view, one that doesn't involve meatbaggery, because, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. he, like, obviously he doesn't want to get shut down either. Like, he's got that sort of sense of, of, of self-awareness about his own situation. Well, because he gets really upset. Well, I mean, that's a funny thing, is it, like, like the way the the way it's spoken, and that's really your only cue as to his emotional state, mm-hmm. if indeed he has he's one. Real flat. He's real flat, and there's a lot, not a lot of affect, which doesn't mean he isn't experiencing emotion. Because that was something I was thinking about. Like I'm reading a, this book where, I and mean, this is a magical universe, not a. a but 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 right right. So it's a it's a person who's had half of her soul taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like stolen by fairyland or whatever and and she reads is very like non-neurotypical because she is the magicians oh no it's called half soul (laughs) because the magicians does that too where like they're like uh oh what's her face gets her shade pulled out and she kind of loses her sense of right and wrong right yeah and and becomes quite cruel anyway Yeah. yeah so this one she's not she's not mean or anything but she she definitely does like has a, a very flattened affect and has to consciously think about how she reacts to people cuz she's mm-hmm. like I know I'm supposed to smile here and it so right. like it sounds very like it, yeah, it feels very much like like what an autistic person would think about, you know, like right. I know I'm supposed to, I know that this, you know, but it's a it's a product of conscious study mm-hmm. and not, you know, like you're applying your intelligence to something which should be some sort of empathetic response that you just don't have. Right. And not empathetic in the sense that you can't well, no, I mean, feel for like people. I mean, right. Yeah. Don't... But it's, yeah. So it's like emotion blindness. I know when people, the corner of their mouths go up, that means they're happy. Right. Exactly. And so she, um, but you know, so I was sort of thinking about that in terms of like Hal or robots where a lot of times it's like, they're not, they don't have, you know, the voice modulator doesn't do, do emotion, right. but he clearly gets upset when, you know, he's watching them discuss about how they're going to kill him. Yeah. And he gets upset. And it doesn't change in his voice, but that's that's an emotion, right? I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> I well, don't know what else. He's got like conflicting things that, that like he doesn't want to be, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't want to be shut down. No. But he also wants the mission to succeed. Yeah. Like he really, like that's his primary motivation mm-hmm. to the, you know, detriment of the rest of the crew. But kind of, he was told crew expendable, you know? I mean. Yeah. Yeah, no, very much so. Oh my god! And once you once you do that, I mean, that's the real problem of AI is is telling it that the crew is expendable because they're going to be like, I mean, hopefully, what, because that, that's really what we're exploring. Is does AI imply? Does sentience imply morality? Like, can you, like, is our morality just derived from our biology, or is it a function of intelligence? Because mm-hmm. I suspect that it's biological. You yeah, know, yeah. To Although, a great extent. I do want to go on about Alien for a second. So there's several, like, androids in the Alien movies, right? Well, a lot of them are Lance Henriksen. Right. More or less Sometimes they're different. Anyway, <laughs> so the, the first one, Ian Holm, I can't remember what his name is in World, but it doesn't matter. So, you know, he's sort of one of the antagonists. Mm-hmm. But because he's the one who lets the alien in because he's been told crew expendable. Right. The problem is um, that directive came down from Wayland Utani, not from, you know, which, you know, one can get into the argument about uh, the corporate bodies of corporations, you know, like, yeah, like United. <laughs> on, on a level, they are treated by law 
as um, kind of semi-sentient entities yeah. who have the rights of speech, etc. Yeah, which and, is weird because they're not allowed to vote. Well, they whatever. are. Yeah. Anyway, but you know, but but that we see how that plays out in Alien it doesn't go so hot. The next one we have Lance Henriksen, who you know is clearly you know he's there to be the foil to that like oh they were buggy i'm the nice guy Mm -hmm. and you know and that's one of the arcs of the thing where she thinks he's left and then he comes back and the whole nine whatever and he ends up having like quite a lot of compassion he sacrifices himself very much so yeah and then you get into um like david in prometheus who is the you know I think he's sort of meant to look like that old Waylon Utani guy. Actually, it's Wayland, right? Mm-hmm. It's before Waylon Utani. Right, just Wayland. It's just Wayland. Um, it's supposed to be like his younger self, right? right? And he is also pretty fucking evil, or at least like like he's amoral. He looks at the alien bioweapon and decides that it's it's this marvelous perfection. And I think this is a theme in the alien movies where like the android sees it as this beautiful expression of mm-hmm. of you know you like yes it's a killing machine it's just it's a beautiful gun right you know and, oh. and we're and, and we're supposed to be horrified because that's the difference we right. have morals and they don't well okay but counterpoint i think that on a level he is meant to be the avatar for the corporation because yeah. the, he is the voice of the corporation like he is literally made flesh and then goes and and he is the one who decides crew expendable he is the one mm-hmm. who like oh my god her dog is playing with a dog yeah, toy anyway but you know i i think that you could definitely read that as it's not because he's an android it's because right. he's an android of a fucking rich asshole who isn't i mean it's like the william gibson thing the super rich aren't even human well, anymore but it's weirder that because i mean you know, you've heard that that phrase about how like corporations are like psychotic three year olds, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like they are all about um, legally they have to make as much money as they can because that's how and why they're set up. Mm-hmm. Like they are, that's all of the. That's a raison do, d'être. Which since the '80s has been the worst. I mean, like it, it's it's just sort of turned corporations from these things that might have been a benevolent free market experience into this thing that is only about like exploitation as much as possible yeah so you do have companies that are just incredibly exploitive and other ones that are not so much and not so much well i mean i think you can definitely have corporations that aren't just because what the corporations are is is a an amalgamation of its c-suite you know i mean you have all of the people in charge making Mm -hmm. the directives and you can tell when they're a bunch of predatory psychopaths because you end up with companies like Adobe, who has a subscription system that is just monstrous. <laughs> like it is, they, they, their entire business model is how efficiently can we hoover money from every other company around us? Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's just completely disgusting, you know. And I gotta say, it's a it's a really beautiful gun. I mean, they are so mm-hmm. good at it. But they're psychotic three year olds. They don't care about anything else but money. And and that in in terms of sentience. Like mm-hmm. doesn't really pass a Turing test for me because, no, you know, I mean, it's it, they've they've created this illusion that they are not just a group of people making this, or or in most cases, a person making decisions. Right. That it gives them it gives them the guise of well, we I, I'm legally bound to make as much money as I possibly can, so like this is what I have to do. And right. It's like, you didn't have to. Right. Well, I mean, to bring this back to Gibson again, 
So Neuromancer, which was written in 1980 and won a hat trick of awards. Um, because it's one of the best science fiction books I ever have, written. I have read it every five years since I was like 17. Yeah. Totally and deserves every awards. single time it's awesome. It's actually kind of wonderful to age with it, you know? Because <laughs> yeah. it, I mean, it reads real different in 19, you know, 90 yeah. than I'm it does so now. I'm surprised we don't have a Neuromancer um, movie. Yeah, it's that's... weird. That is interesting. Like we got a Jonesy the Junkie Dolphin one first. Yeah, the, and there is, and there's yeah, there's Molly Millions movies. There's yeah, uh, whatever it doesn't matter. Anyway, but one of the metaphors, who is it? It must be a neuromancer. One of the metaphors that he uses over and over is one of the of the wasp hive. Yeah, that's neuromancer. Um, and and he he like that you know like I I don't remember one of the characters like sees the inside of a hive. And, and the the various like kind of gestating um, wasps, yeah, you know, it, as it, they, as it, they go from grub to it's described in a very like H.R. Giger sort of way. It's incredibly, it's like incredibly dangerous. It's incredibly alarming. But so he uses this image, and then he talks about the revolver, like it, like, and this is applied to that rich insane family the yeah. uh because they decant clones every once in a while yeah, run the family business because there's three jane who's the jane, daughter third jane of her name a third of her name <laughs> yeah what, what what is their family name i it's like <sighs> atelier lack no that's the it doesn't matter yeah. but um they crawl back up yeah i did but you know but they you know he uses this metaphor of like the hive and the and the the gun and 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 the rich family which is it's all kind of like spiraling in this really alarming way it's yeah and biomechanical is a perfect way to put it where mm -hmm. it's like these aren't people anymore they're something else and they're self-replicating yeah which is know? the scary part i guess and they don't they don't think like we do they don't they don't have the same concerns we do mm-hmm like they're they in some ways they're the ones with actual free will because like you can take your billions and do a lot with that mm -hmm. what what can we do we can get up we go to our job and we can come home and watch tv mm -hmm. like i mean again like talking about free will it's like the it's it's like um snow crash where kind of humans are computers that you can program to do whatever you want mm -hmm. you know i mean like at the end of the day Right. That's really what we are most days. <laughs> right. Like most days, we're not exercising our free will. We're fulfilling our bodily functions. Right, right. Like I want to sleep when I'm tired and eat when I'm hungry. Well. How is that free will? Well, but also just just to like bring it back to the um, heavenly creature. You know, I mean, again, I think the free will is very Christian, very, or very Abrahamic, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, but, you know, heavenly creature is definitely within a Buddhist you know, sensibility. Mm -hmm. And, um, so the question of free will is, is less of an issue because like Buddhism is not so much concerned with, um, you know, whether you can do something. It's like, uh, you know, uh, like how do you eliminate des like desire causes, um, pain, the elimination of pain is through the elimination of desire. And by desire, or, I mean like ego-driven desire. But it's, it's the elimination of self, you know. Mm -hmm. Like when you remove all of those things, mm -hmm. you know, what's left. 
Right. And then, and, and that's, yeah, know, and with, that's the, with the robot, it's like, and, and when you talk about like humanity or sentience or whatever, it's like, well, yeah, a robot doesn't have any of that stuff. And it doesn't have any wants or desires, but it's like, once you have a sentient one, then like, it doesn't have any wants and desires. And it's automatically like, I mean, you know, that's his last thing is he's like, you know, they're like, you're the end of humanity. We have to kill you because this is, this is no good well, for and us. He defends himself before switching himself off. Well, he defends it's like the himself. the ultimate free will, right? It's the ultimate, like, you know, I am not going to let you kill me, so mm-hmm. I'm going to practice my self-defense, but mm-hmm. also, like, I am already without ego. I'm without care. I'm without need. I, you know, and then he, he sits down and switches off. Yeah, and, and bricks himself. Well, and he kind of, I mean, it's implied that he's doing it for everybody else, because mm-hmm. it's like, obviously, this is what, what you need is for mm-hmm. me to not be the Buddha anymore well yeah i mean and i also think it's interesting that like you know he says you know when you were born you were enlightened because you don't have self-awareness as a child i mean right. you know well you talk about toddlers and they are kind of psychotic well, there's the prayer that i get the sense that this is an actual buddhist prayer but the, the translation was roughly um you know where where did i come from and where am i going and what am i Mm-hmm. And and I could see that being like kind of a Buddhist chant because mm-hmm. like that's that's really what it what it what it comes down to like that whole release of ego comes down to you know who who were you before you were born mm-hmm. you know and wh- who will you be after you die mm-hmm. you know and what are you now right you are those things right right um, but yeah I do think there's something interesting there because he's like. He's affirming, he's affirming that they're, they all have the capacity for enlightenment. They all have been enlightened in their lives mm-hmm. and they just have to like strip themselves. Like to, children. Well, <laughs> I mean, glibly. Yeah. But I mean, when you think but, about, but let me finish it. But sorry. yeah. So then he, um, it sort of makes you think about AI in a separate, in a different way, because it suddenly means that all AI is enlightened from the jump. Because right. none of it has ego. But that's that's the thing about free will that's so fascinating is that we automatically equate it to desire and that's the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, like you get up and you go to work because you desire money so you can come home and afford the TV that you're going to watch. Like that's why your motivation there is about is about filling your belly. I'm mm-hmm. hungry so I eat, you know, and, and it's about your desires. Like I want a TV. I want this. I want that. Buddhism is... The, is the opposite of that. It's stripping all of that away. It's mm-hmm. taking all the desire away and, and getting down to like what's left after you strip it all away. And when you don't have desire, what, what, what do you need free will for? Right. Like, what, 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 like free will is there to execute your desires. Right. And, you know, so obviously you can have sentience without the need for free will. Right. Because then you're just Buddhist. Yeah, although I mean, I mean like, but he does he does defend himself, so obviously there's there there are levels to that. <laughs> I w- well, I was gonna say because there's there's many different kinds of Buddhism, and, and many put more or less weight on how one becomes enlightened or what how desirable that is as a goal. Anyway, like how like right living, how do you do that? Right. How do you do that sensibly? Because you know, obviously, not everybody can be a monk you know what yeah. i mean like but and, I mean, and those are all the, issues one of that... the zen cones is is like um you know they're 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 at at a meal and you know the the master and the student mm-hmm. and the the master is you know they're, they're having their bowl of rice or whatever and the student's like but like 
master, what do I do when I finish the rice? Mm -hmm. The master says, you wash the bowl. Yeah. And at that moment, the student achieves enlightenment. Right. Because it's like you do the next thing. Yeah. Which, you know, you come home from work and then you eat dinner. <laughs> Not to be glib about it. Well, but that's really, that's really kind of what I'm getting at is that like that, like what we think of as the treadmill, um, doesn't really need free will. You know I mean? If you, you know, other than your desire to be entertained with mm -hmm. the TV, like when you're hungry, eat. Mm -hmm. when you're, you know, I mean, when you're tired, sleep, that's mm -hmm. really all it comes down to. And it's like, you kind of don't need the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil for that. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, that's right. Well, anyway, this is all kind of fascinating because I don't know. <laughs> Buddhism, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of funny because I guess when we started talking, I didn't really think that it would connect philosophically back to all of those things. But I really do feel like a, like a lot, if not all of these um, robot, uh, uh, artificial intelligence stories, mm -hmm. where the artificial intelligence is primarily about the artificial intelligence and not like Star Wars where the robots are just there. Yeah, they're um, just, yeah. But when it's about the robots, I really do feel like it's it's trying to get at like what it, what it what does it even mean to define ourselves as unique in the universe? Like if aliens right. show up tomorrow... Like, how does that change our concept of ourselves? Right, right. If AI shows up tomorrow, like, what does that really do? I mean, like, this is why we're so scared and why we need concepts like the Turing test to make ourselves feel better. Mm -hmm. Because we can't, like, it's an alien. It would be like an alien showing up because we don't know what its motivations are. Mm -hmm. You know, it may want to kill us. It's not going to necessarily be Asimov's, like, three laws of robotics. Where, <laughs> like, you know... First, don't kill people. Right. You know. Second, do everything a person says. And three, preserve your your own life. Right. I mean, those in are that laws order. Of robotic. In and, that and, order. And, um, yeah. And so, like, and, and there's also corollaries, like, and through inactivity, you can't let someone. I think that's either. part of step but one. That those those are that was the original thought experiment about AI, where it was like. Oh my God, we need to like put some parameters around this because otherwise what's to keep the robots from killing us? And it's like, what's to keep us from killing each other? Like it's that argument where people are like, well, if we didn't have the 10 commandments, then what's to stop me from raping and murdering you? And it's like, holy crap, you're psychotic. <laughs> if you can't stop yourself from raping and murdering people. Once you find out the 10 commandments were made up, then we're all doomed. Right. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's like, it, it's whether or not that morality is internalized and then the thing that scares us is whether or not that morality is a function of biology or intelligence. Right. And, and that's the thing that we don't know with AI. Like we suspect it's probably biological and the AI is not going to have morality and we're screwed. Well, you know? it's certainly so, not going to have the same. You know? yeah. It'll be an alien. We won't know right. Right. until it happens. And then it'll depend on what flavor it is. But I don't know. I, for one, welcome our robot over. Yeah. Oh, and I guess like just to sort of wrap this up with like like gesturing to the like so it's an anthology of the Doomsday Book or note notes from the end of humanity, I think. Yeah. Um, Which is kind of funny because the end of humanity in that celestial book is him shutting himself off. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. In my memory, there were cherry blossoms falling. <laughs> I'm dead serious. <laughs> 
I wonder why. That's I don't a know. great image. I, I I have the I have this image of like the the orange cloth. It must have been in a different movie, and I conflated them. Oh. But like, there's the orange cloth of the robes, and then the cherry blossoms falling because you know the cherry blossoms are that like fleeting, fleeting youth and fleeting right. whatever. Anyway, I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> So I did dig that about this anthology. Is it like definitely the like zombie one and the um, and the robot one were very thematically linked. Yeah, the third one was just kind of goofy, but I mean, it's still it was still it was totally perfectly fun. fine. It was just I, I'm glad we rewatched it though because like the the Buddhist one really sort of I mean it makes me think you know and, and part of all of the thinking is is like this to me is the expression of free will. <laughs> Right, we're not just going through some motions. We're exercising our sentience yeah, by yeah. talking about we are the universe thinking about itself. Oh, for fuck's sake! High five! High five!